Thank you, Bill. Wow. Powerful testimony in that song. Children are dismissed at junior church at this time as we go to the Lord and his word. We're going to go to be, be going to Galatians chapter 2, verses um, 19, really, through 21 here in a moment. Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, if you want to begin to find that passage as I begin this message. You know, we celebrate the 2018 year, and I think we need to. We need to celebrate always what the Lord is doing. And I believe the Lord is doing a lot through through you, a lot through Bethel Friends. And I believe God used Bethel for a lot of ministry this past year. And uh, I believe God's going to use Bethel Friends Church for a lot of ministry in 2019 as well. I believe he already is. So this year, 2019, our vision... Our church's vision statement, our vision phrase, is to fulfill the Great Commission by being contagious Christians. We want to fulfill the Great Commission by being contagious Christians. It's a a short little uh, trite uh, vision phrase, to fulfill the Great Commission by being contagious Christians. My prayer is that we would be contagious Christians. Now, at Bethel, we changed last year, this is about a year ago, we changed our mission statement to Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And that's a great commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And that is our mission, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says he will be with us until the end of the age. So we know we are not alone. We are not alone as we fulfill the Great Commission. We are not alone. Jesus is with us. We don't go fishing alone. We go fishing with the chief fishermen, with Jesus Christ, who's with us, our Lord and Savior. And so as we fulfill the Great Commission, we want to be contagious Christians. Now, how can we do this? How can we be contagious Christians? How can we fulfill the Great Commission? How can we serve the Lord? And I want to submit to you that we can do this because we no longer live and Christ lives within us. We no longer live and Christ lives in us. We're going to look at Galatians 2, 19 through 21, actually, and talk about living for Jesus. We must make Jesus number one. And we can do so much more for God's glory as we make Jesus number one and as we die to self and live for Jesus. As we die to self and we let the Holy Spirit reign within us. We let Jesus live within us. He's got to be number one. Jesus Jesus does not want to be, you know, second fiddle or second string quarterback, you know. He's got to be number one in our life. I read the following. Toward the beginning of the second century, the Roman emperor decided that Christians had become so numerous that there was no use trying to stamp them out anymore. So the Roman emperor made peace with the Christians. He even decided to put a statue of Jesus in the pantheon among the statues of the Greek gods. You got all the Greek gods in the pantheon, statue of Jesus right there. A symbol at the top of the pantheon said, Caesar, king of kings, indicating Caesar's position as first. The Christians could have been honored at how far they had come. Not long before, they were just a ragtag group of fishermen in the backwoods of Israel. And now they're in the pantheon. But instead of being grateful, they sent a letter to the emperor telling him that if he didn't take down the statue of Jesus, they certainly would. Jesus will never be among your gods, they said, because he is above them. 
He is above your fake, pagan, demonic gods. Jesus has to be number one. But as we serve Jesus, we also have to have works. We're not saved by works, but our works validate our faith. You know, James says, faith without works is dead. The founder of the Salvation Army said to his fellow soldiers, faith and works should travel side by side. Step answering to step, like the legs of men walking. First faith, and then works, and then faith again, and then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which is the one and which is the other. I want to read Galatians 2, verses 19 through 20. If you would turn there in your Bible, the one you brought with you, or a pew Bible, uh, Galatians 2, 19 through 20. We've been going through Galatians, and I thought this uh, passage still fits this Sunday, so we're not switching it. Galatians chapter 2, starting at verse 19. I encourage you to turn there and stay there so you can underline and circle and mark up things as they apply to your life. Galatians 2, verse 19. Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I want to read that one more time. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I died to the Old Testament law so that I might live to God. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. Get that. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm dead to self, living for Christ. Paul says, In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. How can we fulfill the Great Commission? How can we be contagious Christians? We do it by living this verse. We do it by being dead to self, alive to God. By, the, by exactly like Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's not in my notes, but I feel led to say, whose power are you living the Christian life in? Are you dependent on the Son of God who loved you and gave himself up for you? Are you dependent on Jesus who lives within you? Are you dependent upon the Holy Spirit who lives within you? I think the American epidemic is we're not. And because we're not, we're just like the world. This passage says all believers have been crucified with Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are too. It includes you. It includes me. To be a Christian means that I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me. I trust in him for salvation. I confess my sins to him and I commit to him. If you're a Christian, you have been crucified. Now think about that. That is a strong picture. And I believe that Paul used this word picture for dramatic effect. All of the people in his audience, all the people who read Galatians, knew what a crucifixion was and what it looked like. I'll share more about it later on in the sermon. And I believe Paul was using a dramatic effect in this passage. And, I, and the reason is, 
In a metaphorical way, we have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but Jesus lives within us. What it's saying is our old self is dead. When we commit to Christ, we die to self, we live for Jesus. Baptism is a picture of that. We go under the waters in baptism, dying to self, and coming up, being resurrected with Jesus Christ as our Savior. Let me review, review Galatians for a minute. Paul writes to the churches of Galatia to counter these false apostles who have bewitched them. Later on in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul will say, Who has bewitched you? The churches in Galatia have come into an era of works-based salvation. They've started believing that they had to live by the Old Testament law. Paul is extremely assertive in this short New Testament letter. Extremely assertive that you're not saved by works. You're saved by Jesus' free gift of grace. So Paul is writing about law versus grace. And you know what? I think we need the same message. Law versus grace. We have similar issues. We don't have issues with the Jewish law. I don't think any of us do. I don't think any of us try to, try, try to eat kosher and, and observe the Jewish law and things like that. If you're a Messianic Jew, nothing wrong with that. But we don't have that issue. We either go one of two different ways in most of our churches and probably in Bethel. Either we act like we have to earn our salvation, or we totally throw away the moral law and think, oh, I'm saved by grace, I can live however I want. And both are wrong. One is we, have to, we believe we have to earn our salvation. Totally wrong. We know this is not true. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is a gift. If you look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, the very next verse, Paul writes that if righteousness could come to the, through the law, if we could become righteous through obeying the law, then Jesus died in vain. He died needlessly. If you could earn your salvation, Jesus went to the cross for nothing. He went to the cross because you couldn't earn your salvation. When we add legalistic standards for Christians, we become a cult and, maybe, and we make Jesus' death on the cross in vain. Most of us aren't guilty of that. Most of us are guilty of throwing away all moral law. That's called antinomianism, actually. In this case, the Christian's life does not match his faith. And this is a problem, too. We are saved by grace through faith, but Ephesians 2.10 says, We are saved on two good works, which God has prepared for us beforehand. James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. In Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If Jesus taught this, why don't we preach this? As a Christian, the Holy Spirit changes us, though. Some of us, we hear messages like, I'm saved, I need to walk with Jesus, I need to follow Jesus, I need to do right. And we just feel burdened. That's because we're forgetting that we don't do it on our own. The Holy Spirit is within us to guide us. If we, live our, if we live our Christian life thinking, I'm all alone, I have to do this, I have to clean this up, of course we're going to be burdened and we're going to need more medication. <laughs> Nothing wrong with medication when you need it. But we walk by the Holy Spirit. Later on in Galatians 5, Paul's going to get into that even more. The Holy Spirit changes us. I want to share a testimony of Louis Samperini. Louis Samperini had a major transformation by the Holy Spirit. About six years ago, I read a book which someone at my church recommended. It told the life story of Louis Samperini. 
Zamperini was in the 1936 Olympics held in Germany. He was famous for setting records for how fast he could run. He was breaking the five-minute mile, which was a big deal in that day and age. Later, he was planning to enter the next Olympic competition, and, and they thought that he would actually win his, his race. But it was canceled because of World War II. Zamperini entered the war, and he served on a B-24 over the Pacific. He was shot down, and he spent 47 days at sea. 47 days at sea. And then around three years, he spent as a Japanese prisoner of war. He is badly mistreated in the POW camps. Following the war, he dealt with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. This caused him to plunge into alcoholism, which brought on a host of other problems. He was married and he had one child, but his marriage was being threatened with divorce. He was drinking to excess every night. He was abusing his wife physically. And all he wanted to do was hunt down and kill those people who abused him in the POW camps. That was his mission. Every time he closed his eyes at night, he was plagued with memories of his time as a POW. He was filled with hate, and he wanted to kill one particular guard. One guard, his name is Matsuhiro Watanibe, nicknamed the bird, who was later included in General Douglas MacArthur's list of the 40 most wanted war criminals in Japan. Finally, in 1949, as a 31-year-old Billy Graham was preaching an evangelical crusade in Los Angeles, Lewis's wife gave her life to Christ at the crusade. She eventually convinced Lewis to also attend. Lewis attended once and he was convicted, but he left during the invitation. Lewis's wife, Cynthia, convinced him to attend again. He did. And once again, Lewis tried to leave during the invitation. Now, Billy Graham, he had some, he had some guts. And as Lewis and I guess some other people are walking out, Billy Graham says, you can't leave now. <laughs> you can leave earlier during the sermon, but not right now. And Lewis Samperini went forward to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Following his conversion, his life changed dramatically. His life changed right then and there. That night when he would usually drink alcohol to excess, he went home and he poured the alcohol down the drain. His marriage was restored, and he was committed to his wife until her death. Those nightmares he had were gone. The PTSD, gone. Instead of wanting to hunt down and kill those people who abused him, he went to them, and he pronounced forgiveness. He actually went to Japan, actually went to Japan, and pronounced forgiveness to all these people. The one nicknamed the bird Masahiro Watanibe, was thought dead, and Lewis tracked, tried to track him down to see him. But the bird would not meet with him. Later on, around 1990, I believe it was, Lewis Amperini had another scheduled meeting with Matsuhiro Natanibi, Watanibe, and Watanibe did not show up. How did Zamperini change his life? I want to believe, and I do totally believe, the only way that change happened is because of the Holy Spirit within him. He accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you know what? He was dead to his old self. The Holy Spirit came in him, and the Holy Spirit was going to take up residence in his life. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes in him, the Holy Spirit was saying, this won't do. I can't have any of that alcohol here. It's got to go. I can't have any of that abuse of your wife here. It's got to go. I can't have any of that, any of that hate here. It's got to go. 
And the Holy Spirit started giving him new light. Light from heaven. A heavenly vision of reality. I believe when we really know Jesus, when we really know him, and we are saved, we commit to him, and in time, our life will show it. And this is because we are dead to the old self and Christ lives in us. And that is how you and I can be contagious Christians in 2019. That is how we can fulfill the Great Commission because we're not doing it alone. We're doing it with the Holy Spirit inside us, empowering us. Paul says in this verse that he has died to the law. He died with Christ to the law. He says he has been crucified with Christ. I believe people would have cringed when they heard that word crucify. That verb, crucified. They would have known what crucifixion meant. Historians cannot tell us much about crucifixion apart from the Bible. There's a lot of things that are in the Bible that we can get extra biblical information about from other historical sources. Not crucifixion. People, a lot of what historians get about crucifixion come from, comes from the Bible. People did not want to write about crucifixion. Uh, People say that mothers would cover their children's faces. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to think about it. Nobody wanted to see it. Romans would crucify thousands of people every year. They crucified them at public times and public places because they wanted to make a statement. Don't mess with Rome. Don't mess with us. This is what happens when you do the, the Spartacus thing and you try to mess with us. This is what happens. Don't mess with us. And Paul is saying, I have been crucified with Christ. I died to my old self with Jesus, and I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. The point is that we died with Christ when we became a Christian. We died to our old self. We died to sin. What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? It means that when we became a Christian, we died to our old self. We died to our sin nature. We died to our sin nature. We died to our old self. And so how do we live? All believers are to live by faith in the indwelling Christ. All believers are to live by faith in the indwelling Christ. Now, let me add a little comment here. Some of us might still struggle with things, and I'm not saying that, that you're abnormal. Sometimes God quickly and immediately gets rid of something, just like he did for Louis Amparini. Or for my youth pastor who cussed like a sailor every day at work and he got saved in like 1969 and the very next day he noticed that anger and that language wasn't there. Never again. The Holy Spirit changes us. Sometimes it's a process. But all believers are to walk by faith in the indwelling Christ. Paul says that he no longer lives. Christ lives within him. Does Christ live within you? If you're a Christian, the answer is yes. Yes, yes, Christ lives within you. Christ lives within all of us if we are believers in Christ. Think about it. How did Jesus do his miracles on earth? He laid aside his glory to become a man. He had the Holy Spirit with him. Jesus came fully human and fully God, and the Holy Spirit was with him. You know the Holy Spirit is with you as well. The same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to do his miracles is also with us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus, being fully God and fully man, to do those miracles is with us as well. God resides in us. You know, get this. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul wrote that we are the temple of God. Paul wrote, your bodies are the temple of God. And he used the same Greek word 
for the temple that describes the Holy of Holies. In other words, you have the Holy of Holies within you when the Holy Spirit indwells within you. So as believers, we do good works because Jesus dwells in us, and he does those good works through us. Louis Zamperini changed his life not on his own. The Holy Spirit did it. When he became a Christian, Jesus was saying, I'm not having any of that. Okay, so Megan and I went with a few others from Bethel with our kids to see the new Mary Poppins movie. Good movie. And I keep reminded, being reminded of, I think it was in the old Mary Poppins movie, when Mary Poppins comes into their room and sees the mess. And she looks at the mess and she says, oh, this won't do. And she begins to clean it up. That's what Jesus does when he indwells us. That's what Jesus does when we accept him as a Lord and a Savior. And he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He comes in and he cleans us up. And he empowers us to go on. Now, I believe that as Christians, we can sometimes push Jesus aside. He lives within us, but many times we don't want him here. We do not make him welcome. We just let our old self reign in us. We let our old self reign instead of letting Jesus reign. So my challenge for you today is that Jesus, you let Jesus live within you. Make Jesus feel at home within you. Let your worldly self die, and by faith, let Jesus live. Jesus lives within you. The holy of holies lives within you. Live like it. Understand it. Believe it. Accept that. One person wrote, if I came to my wife and said, sweetheart, you're first on my list of women. You're first on my list of women. My wife wouldn't have it. She would tell me in no uncertain terms that she's either going to be the only one on the list or she's not going to be there at all. If that's true in my relationship with my wife, then how much more so with Jesus? Jesus is why we exist. We were created by him and for him. That means he can never be merely an important commitment in our lives. He has to be the important commitment on our lives, in our lives. Jesus cannot be chief among the gods or one among the gods. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And he has to be first and foremost in our life. Now, as we look at the 2019 vision to fulfill the Great Commission by being contagious Christians, how can we fulfill it? I believe we can fulfill this vision, this mission, because Jesus lives within us. And I want to segue from that for just a minute to outline this vision just for a minute. Because this, if a church sets a vision... It's for all of us. We need all of us. At Bethel Friends Church, we need to fulfill the Great Commission. That's not an option. That was a commandment by Jesus. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's not an option. If Jesus resides within you, and he's at home within you, he wants to use you, just like me, just like all of us, to make disciples. He wants to. If you're not doing that, you're being disobedient. It's a sin of omission, and you need to repent. So I outlined, and the elders agreed with it, affirmed it, uh, just eight ways that I thought that Bethel Friends can focus on being contagious this next year. Now, this doesn't mean that other things are not important. These are just goals. They're called SMART goals, actually. 
And this is, we need all of us to do this. We want to ask God in prayer for 15 new believers to be added to our fellowship in 2019. And I want to ask all of you to join me in praying for 15 new believers to be added to our fellowship in 2019. Don't pray just for 15 people. We would love 15 people, but we're not a social club. We're not a country club. Pray for 15 new believers, people who are committing to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the first time. Because God wants to reach these unbelievers with the gospel, right? God wants to reach them, do we? Jesus is within us. Hopefully, we want what God wants. Ask God in prayer for 15 new believers. We want to contagiously touch 1,000 people in the next year with the love of Jesus. Now, 1,000 people might seem like a lot. But consider that there are somewhere between 190 and 200 of you all that are here every month. Every month, we have between 190 and 200 people, sometimes more than 200, attend Bethel Friends Church. When you all scatter and you leave, you're going into the mission field. And I believe that when we're all out there in the world, we can touch well over 1,000 people with the love of Jesus. Touching people with the love of Jesus might be serving at the rescue mission or the pregnancy help center. It might be helping somebody change a flat tire. Hopefully, it includes praying for people. Hopefully, it includes talking about the gospel and creating God space in your conversations with people. Pray that you can do that. We hope that we can intentionally communicate the gospel with 150 people through acts of service, loving relationships, and words. That's all of us. This is not, this is not just me and the elders. We want to continue the dance ministry, which Judy Conti uh, started, and we appreciate that. We want to research the effectiveness of certain sports ministries, and we want to make a decision by 2020. Do we want to try something, whether it's a volleyball team or a softball team or whether it's upward sports? Upward is a Christian-based uh, children's, young children's sports uh, ministry. We will research Celebrate Recovery with a plan to begin this in 2020 or to decide against this or postpone it. Celebrate Recovery is probably one that I'm really behind because it's gospel-centered and meeting a need. And you'll learn more about that, or you can go with us to Damascus Friends this Thursday as we start attending Celebrate Recovery. We will pray about this vision in the worship service. We have to pray. Prayer is most important. And we want to train all of you to understand this. So if I say we will be what, I want you to respond with contagious Christians. So I'm going to say we will be what, and you're going to respond with what? We will be what? That's what we need to be. You know what? All of us are contagious one way or another. You're going out in the world. You're going out in the mission field when you walk out of these doors. And you're either representing Christ for good or for bad. Be contagiously spreading the gospel. Many times we're contagiously spreading colds and other things as well. So you might as well spread something good. Lastly, the church has five major purposes. Five major purposes. And you can see these in Acts 2, 42 through 47, and many other places in the Bible. Evangelism, discipleship, worship, ministry, and fellowship. Those are five major purposes. Many of you might see that our vision is to be contagious Christians. And you're thinking, what about worship? What about discipleship? What about ministry? What about fellowship? Well, the mission is to make disciples. And to make disciples includes worship and fellowship and ministry and evangelism and discipleship. But Bethel Friends Church needs to focus on growth. 
We need to focus. We focused on discipleship for many, many years, and we will continue to focus on discipleship because discipleship is a passion of mine. But disciples make disciples. In other words, if we're not making disciples, we are not a disciple of Christ. It's very clear. So we will be what? And how do we do that? We do that because the Holy Spirit lives within you. We do that because we do not walk by our own strength. We have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live. The life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself as a ransom for us. So I encourage you, walk by the Holy Spirit this week. Being contagious Christians. I want to close in prayer here in just a minute. And as I close in prayer, I want to give a prayer for the meal which we'll have in the fellowship hall. We are all invited for hopefully a very good time of fellowship right after the service. And then Bill will come up to lead the closing hymn, and I'll ask him just to do the benediction as he usually does. But let's have a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us to be contagious Christians. Lord God, I just pray for this, this vision. Help us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And help us to do that by being contagious Christians this year, making disciples. Lord God, I do pray that in 2019, you will bring 15 new believers to Bethel Friends Church. Help us to contagiously touch 1,000 people with the love of Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead us in this way. Help us to share the gospel with people throughout this year. And give us wisdom and guidance as we move forward in the 2019 year. We thank you, Lord, for all the ministry you did in 2018. And we know what you're going to do in 2019. Just help us to walk by you. Live by the Holy Spirit. It's in Christ's name. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I thank you for the food we're going to eat here in just a minute. And the fellowship we're going to have. Please bless the food to our bodies. And bless all those people who took part preparing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Please say amen over this message.